So what are your two mediocre cocktails? So Loki, they're the same cocktail, but just in different proportions. So I have the watermelon lime gin. The first one I was trying to be super legit with, and I measured out exactly three ounces of that. And then I added my useless seltzer water from the office that claimed it was watermelon flavored. And it was not. It was like not flavored at all. And I threw in like some frozen strawberries, which are like frozen to the point of concern. Like, I don't know if they're actually okay anymore, but it's fun. What I realized is there's like no strong flavor in any of those things. So then I was just like digging through my fridge and I was lucky because remember when I like, you know, wiped out on my bike and destroyed my knee um, and I was carrying. Do you have one of those Bud Light seltzers or whatever? It's Yeah, it's the Truly Strawberry Lemonade. (laughs) So that truly saved my drink. (laughs) It survived me falling off a bike, and now it is here to save my drink. So it's truly doing the most. You've had it for so long. (laughs) And then the second one, I, you know, I was like, maybe I will try to muddle these stupid cherries. um, Do you have a muddler? No, I use the back of like a wooden spoon. (laughs) Okay, that's really hard. Yeah, it was, I don't think it really did much, honestly. And I just like, I I basically gave up on this second cocktail because I have like no strong flavor profile in any liquids in my house. Just like threw in some of the gin. I have no clue how much. And then just like finished off the rest of the Truly in that one. And then I just like, for shits and giggles, do you remember we went to that candy store and we got that like one bottle of like fake butterbeer? Yeah, it's not alcoholic, but it's basically just sugar. And I was like, you know what? This will be my simple syrup. So I threw some of that in there. (laughs) I'm just drinking my strawberry lime cider. Holy! We're live! He may change up a cue. He may crash through the set. And oh my! We're live! Will he talk about it? Well, it's anyone's best, but what the? We're live! There is simply no He'll say when he's on screen. Little kids at home are watching. So for his sake, keep it clean. Welcome everyone to Bottomless Broadway, where we talk musicals over mimosas and questionable, mediocre cocktails. Um, so as you guys know, um, the Tony Awards are coming up, and at this time of the year, we always release a prediction episode, but. We also are supposed to review all of the new musicals of the season, which we didn't actually do because we fucked off to London instead. (laughs) Um, So before we go through our Tony predictions, we're going to do five words each on Girl from the North Country and on Paradise Square. Should we start with North Country? (laughs) Do you want to go first? Okay. Well, so... I had two because I was worried we would overlap Um, because my original one was, did I see a musical? But my backup one, in case that's what you want to say, is Saul twice, awake for half of one show. So I don't think these were the five words that I had yesterday, but these are five words that I've used when describing the show to multiple people. And it was, was some white people bullshit. I know there's been like some more discourse lately about like, you know, what kind of stories we should show on Broadway, but I've never really like gone to a show and been like, 
oh, that's super white. Because as long as the show's like good enough, it's like, okay, that was a worthy story to tell. And this one, I'm just like, this seems like some white people bullshit. <laughs> like, there's not really a story. And there are black people in the show, but they are truly such minor characters that I forget about them periodically. And it's just some like, it's it's almost like romanticizing the suffering of the Great Depression, basically. So apparently, Joseph, the boxer that Mary marries, you know, obvious uh-huh. religious overtones, it's whatever. Joseph the boxer is a real person and Bob Dylan read his biography and then wrote his song Hurricane. Mm-hmm. And... I don't know if that was like part of the inspiration for the show. It's one of those shows where like it's like an incredibly depressing and also like analytical slice of life in a way that you can't enjoy like a slice of life or enjoy as a story. It's like, yeah, it's like there's a Mary, there's a Joseph. I think there was a baby at the end. I'm not really sure. There are three men that visit the inn, but like they're just random people. And um, yeah, like. You know, pregnancies happen, potential suicides. I have no clue what happens. I feel like if I noticed the religious overtones, I would have been so much more into this because I noticed none of that. And I was just like, so why are we here? I did notice that like that one storyline was basically of mice and men. And I was like, is this just how we always treat mentally disabled people now? Um, (laughs) But it does kind of feel like the book writer, his agent was like, hey, we got you the catalog to Bob Dylan's music. And he was just like, you know, I really want to write a show about the Great Depression. And his agent was like, but Bob Dylan. And he's like, you know what? I'll just throw it in. So we've talked about how like it didn't really need the music. It's truly just the glass menagerie with Bob Dylan music. But um, I thought like the singing was really good. Mm -hmm. Like I really enjoyed the actual voices and the performance. Well, not so much the performance because there was nothing happening on stage. You could just close your eyes and listen to the vibrato. As a Bob Dylan concert, it was great. Yeah. (laughs) And as a play, it was okay. But together, it was just like, who thought this worked? Which apparently a lot of people did. So I'm truly baffled. If you want to listen to good music with Broadway enunciation, this is the show for you. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. paradise square then which is yeah in a sense not dissimilar but just in my opinion it it succeeds a lot more there's a lot more going on like there's actual plot points that i can think back to Mm -hmm. you know so like i like this show a decent amount like not enough for me to be like wow this really deserves best musical but like Mm -hmm in the pool that we have this season it's not too far so my five words were wartime cfa less good music cfa standing for come from away and i ran out of words um (laughs) because so i've told you about this but like i found so like i think i just really like his 
historical musicals mm-hmm. or just things like referencing an event. And really, I didn't do that much research after Paradise Square, but I just found like the premise to be pretty interesting because we've all like learned the Civil War to death. You know, I feel like mm-hmm. from third to 12th grade, we learn about the Civil War every single year. And the part that Paradise Square chose to talk about is like not one that I have ever heard of or ever thought about. And I just thought it was a really interesting. So for people that don't know, I guess we like skipped a summary from Girl from North Country, but that's because there was no plot. Um, Paradise Square is basically like, it focuses on these two interracial couples during the Civil War in New York, because New York obviously was, you know, part of the North and everything and fighting for like the abolition of slavery. Um, but at the time, Black people that were free weren't actually allowed to fight in the Civil War. Um, and so white people and other immigrants had to had to fight. And, and there were drafts. And basically, like in New York, Black people and Irish immigrants were kind of like both at the time persecuted by society because like Irishmen were seen as kind of like trashy, I guess, you know, the standard stereotypes. So these two like groups of outcasts actually like came together and formed a community in downtown Manhattan. And, um, you know, they were friends and there's these two interracial couples with like one Irish person, one black person that they chose to frame this story with. But basically the civil war brought this tension upon them because Irish immigrants who had like just came from Ireland were drafted to fight in the civil war. And then like, they're the black people who were often their friends in this community weren't able to. So there is this tension and that's what this talked about, which is like a really interesting side story to the civil war. So like the premise itself was interesting. I think the vocal performances were good. I don't think like the plot execution was spectacular, Mm -hmm. but it's like there was one and I enjoyed it. (laughs) Well, that's why I was surprised it got nominated for book, because I feel like I also didn't really like the score as much, or at least the the original part of the score, because it does use a lot of Stephen Foster songs. Um, but yeah, I agree that the plot execution wasn't really there. I mean, so my five words were good, but I wanted more. And the, it was one of those shows where afterwards I was like, I feel like it's so close to actually being like a really good musical, but it just like doesn't quite get there and I sort of like resented it for not getting there so then I feel like I ended up like now I feel like I like it less than I did after I just watched it because I was like oh they missed mm-hmm. the, they missed the chance here to do this and like they could have done that like why didn't do that you know like that sort of thing but like I did actually enjoy it while I was watching it I actually thought it was better than Suffs which was like the show that I had watched the night before mm-hmm. and it's also kind of similar in terms of like bringing out a story in history that you may or may not be familiar with paradise square my issue was like none of the characters i cared about that much like i mean you said you liked annie the most who is the white um she's such a badass pregnant woman the secondary couple i'd say um Yeah. yeah and like she is definitely cool and i mean like Jokina Kalakanga is the one who is nominated for Best Actress. She's like the one that everybody considered the standout of the show, which I do agree with, but I just don't think her character is that interesting. 
like i think as a performer she's like definitely a vocal standout she gets the big like 11 o'clock number but i don't think her character and her character arc are like that cool to follow i think what really worked for the characters for me is um like you're right in that so like i don't love any of the characters like there's no to me there wasn't this like you know perfect protagonist to root for like no one was like a super great person kind of at least like not the really main characters but i still cared about them like it still hit some like emotional points Mm. for me like like What's the main girl? What's the main character's name? Nelly? Is it Nelly? Oh, probably Nelly. That sounds right. Like, she was really cool. I didn't like agree with all her decisions or really like her all the time, but like, I still really felt for her and I like liked her and her husband's relationship, even though they were mm-hmm. only on stage for like 10 minutes together. Um, like, there were just some like interesting backstories and i could see like what they were all struggling with because like it's like one of the main problems that comes up at the end like spoiler alert is so she and annie so annie is the sister of her husband and they have also become like really good friends they're honestly just like really cool women running this bar together in a town of useless boys um They're really good friends. And, you know, Annie's nephew comes from Ireland and, like, nearly gets drafted um, to fight in the war. So she has this thing where, like, she is primarily interested in protecting her nephew. And Nellie really cares because, like, by marriage, that's kind of also her nephew, you know? And, um, like, she cares about family. She talks about, like, how important family is. But she also has to care about all of the black people in her community and has to choose between like if she is willing to put her nephew over like a runaway slave that she's protecting and vice versa and i think there's like a lot of really interesting conflicts where like sometimes i don't agree with them but i think like there there is some there i think there's a lot to the characters i don't know if like the show did the best job showcasing yeah. it but like if you think if you ruminate on the characters <laughs> you can be like i know there's more to you yeah i mean i think that's sort of like to sum it up like it it's a good idea on paper but it just never quite oh i realize i never came full circle with why i called it a wartime come from away and it's just if you haven't figured it out because come from away focuses on like a really random side story of 9-11. And this mm-hmm. focuses on a random side story of Civil War. All we have is what we are. Inside here we all are free. We love who we want to love with no apology. If you landed in the square, then you dare to risk it all. At the bottom of the ladder, there's no one left to get into the the nominations yeah we could do like orchestrations first i don't remember how we do this the nominees were for company six girl from the north country mj and a strange loop and we both would have voted for six 
Yeah, I don't think company had any faults. Um, I don't think Girl from the North Country had any music. <laughs> and um, I'm pretty sure Strange Loop didn't hire someone to do their orchestrations. But yeah, I mean, I think Six had the most sort of like innovative blend of like both modern and sort of like harpsichord uh, Regency England, you know, Henry VIII sort of style. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I remember showing friends the opening number, and they just, like, lost it at the, like, electro-pop remix of Green Sleeves. And <laughs> I was like, alright, there it is. Like, Broadway doesn't shy away from great harmonization by any means, but, like, when I first saw Six Live, I was still like, damn, that's so beautiful. Yeah. Um, so, choreography. Um... So we also both agreed on this one, uh, which the nominees were for Colored Girls, Music Man, Six, Paradise Square, and MJ. And we both voted for Christopher Wielden for MJ. I mean, if you go to MJ and the choreography is just like not there, then you just wasted like $150, you know? (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of like when, you know, when Cher one for costume it's just one of those things that's like all right this is probably gonna go to mj like Mm -hmm. otherwise just seems wrong yeah Um, i did i think there's a possibility paradise square could win for it um because there was so much dancing the whole thing was also like competition yeah which we didn't even mention in our (laughs) summary (laughs) so true (laughs) we were like civil war what a cool story but also dancing um (laughs) because like if you look at basically any of the reviews the only two things that people really praised were just like jokina kalakongo for playing nelly and the choreography i think music man six they're all like shows that i would associate with good choreo to be honest mm-hmm. or like just good dancing but um i don't know it's MJ nothing just seems special, like a given really. for this yeah yeah we know that the show with the most nominations is a strange loop mm-hmm. and then shockingly mj and paradise square so yeah that's why i was like i was also like a little (laughs) irrationally mad when paradise square got so many nominations because i was like it's just not a good show so i think i told you about this but but time out new york's acronym is tony (laughs) and so when time out new york came out with their nomination predictions they just called it the tony nominations and then in an asterisk at the bottom of the page they put Tony equals timeout New York. So I was like, they're out. And you're like, they're not out. Um, and timeout New York didn't, um, didn't nominate Paradise Square for like anything, like anything. I was like, damn, they really hated this. And I thought it was going to be like that, but it's like not been like that at all for this show. So, yeah. Um, so next is best sound design of a musical and the nominations are girl from the North country, six company, a strange loop and MJ. Mm -hmm. Um, so we actually disagreed on this one, but our like second place runner ups were, was the the same as mine. (laughs) choice. We swapped. Yeah. Basically we think it's between six and MJ. I put MJ, you put six. Um, do you want to go first so, for six? I think you're right. Like, because you told me about this whole tracking technology that truly sounds like Dolby. Um, 
which do you want to like explain that real quick yeah so like there was a um interview with the sound designer i think for theater mania that i can um link but basically he was talking about like he's like oh we've never done this before in a broadway theater like um they have they they have so many speakers in this fucking theater uh we talked about that briefly in our picture right i do have a picture on our instagram um (laughs) and basically they have like trackers on each of the mics or something where if someone is standing on the right side of the stage the sound will mostly come out of the speaker that's like on the same side that they are and as they like move across the stage the sound will shift and also most of the time that sound is directed through a speaker like all the speakers are basically directing the same sound so like if there's three people singing at the same time or something then like They'll just combine all three voices and the speaker will just play all those. But because they have this like tracking technology, each speaker is playing sort of like a different track. So one speaker might be playing one person's voice and another speaker might be playing a different person's voice. And that's actually how the human ear like hears sounds. And so then it actually apparently helps you focus more on like who's speaking and being able to hear that more clearly and stuff like that. And they do like a bunch of other stuff too, where he's like, I designed it like a concert. And most of the time when I do that, people on Broadway are like, we should actually dial it back. But here they did it. <laughs> and so it is pretty intense. Yeah. Like but, I think the concept yeah. is really cool and their effort is like worthy of praise, but it was truly not enjoyable for me. Like it was louder than pretty much all of the actual like pop or rock concerts that I've been to. And um, I didn't notice this tracking. Like, I Mm. don't think, I don't really know if I went again now that I know that I would have noticed like this tracking technology because it's so loud. Like the sound just felt like it was blaring at me from all directions all of the time. I think my heart rate was actually up a bit for parts of the show when they especially had like super big numbers and stuff but i actually enjoyed that like i thought that was great i thought it felt more engaging that way i was like i'm into this this is like it it made it more of like an experience to me than just like watching a show you know so Mm -hmm. i enjoyed that (laughs) and that's also why i like quote voted for it yeah i mean six is also kind of a concert but i guess they're just like a little more restrained in their sound design yeah I guess the other thing for MJ is like most of the show is not of Michael Jackson, like performing on stage. Like Mm, it's mm -hmm. still a lot of, you know, lacing his songs into his life. And there are like a small handful of numbers where it's like actually him doing a performance in real life, but that's not the majority of the show. So like if they kept the loudness to just those performance numbers i think i would have been more okay with it Mm -hmm. um six i thought the sound design was good because for the majority of the show like all six of these people are singing all of them are pretty on pretty much on stage they are on stage for the entire show (laughs) most of the time they're using their mic for the show um like we said earlier there's some crazy harmonies and everything and i just felt like the whole time um i could hear all of them really clearly and the whole time like everything sounded really pretty and really enjoyable but still like upbeat and exciting um did you do you remember if they have body mics or is it all through the handheld mic i don't know i would just assume it was handheld Mm. i'm not sure i always wonder about that because i i think normally they do like 
like in Hamilton and stuff, when they do the rap battle, when they have like the handheld mics, it definitely sounds different. So I assume it's transmitting through that. But I feel like some shows just pretend to have handheld mics and then they cheat, you know? So. Oh, do you think handheld? I thought I would assume handheld were like better quality. Maybe. Yeah, but I have no clue. So before yeah. body mics became a thing, because that's still like in the grand scheme of things, quite a new technology. Mm-hmm. Did all Broadway shows just have handheld mics? They had like floor mics and ceiling mics. Oh, wild. And that's also like if you listen to any of like Ethel Merman's recordings, like she did Gypsy, she did Anything Goes. She did a bunch and she was like not a very like she can hit the notes and stuff. And but she's not a very like pretty singer. But mm-hmm. she was known for ha- like having a voice, quote, like a foghorn. And so she could like <laughs> sing to the back of the house, essentially. And that was sort of like why people were like super obsessed with her and stuff. Really feels like sound design was much more of a challenge back then. I think part of it was also mm-hmm. just like because it was more like opera where people were like actually trained to sing and like maybe theaters were designed more for the acoustics and stuff. I want to say Cats might have been one of the first shows that really took advantage of body mics because they could like, you know, they had all those fucking cats and each (laughs) one had to be mic'd separately because they were also doing like so much dancing and stuff. And I think also there was a period of time where like only the leads had body mics, but like the ensemble had all those fucking cats. Listen, I'm just saying if I went to a junkyard and I saw that many cats, I would be fucking terrified. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, that's really interesting. So three categories in, and so far we've only voted for six and MJ. Um, oh, I'm gonna put 0. 0.5 yeah. for each for um Okay. For sound that works. Design. <laughs> yeah. Um right. sound design of a play. Did I even vote for this one? I you put like... Lehman, which I, I think like when oh. in doubt, you were just like, when in doubt, put Lehman. That is true. I um put two shows that you didn't see either of them, where I thought Skin of Our Teeth was like my main pick. And then um I also threw a, a like, you know, um honorable mention for Dana H. Skin of Our Teeth, because it's just a huge cast. There's a lot of shit going on really and there's some like played audio that like you know intersperses stuff i don't know it's a weird show i i actually enjoyed it but it's fucking weird so i can talk like a little bit about good use of sound in lehman i guess i don't know if it's like good sound design but like i just thought it was good sounds in general i guess like also like briefly on briefly on lehman i truly walked in thinking that i was gonna see like three and a half hours of the financial crash because like <laughs> you know uh-huh. but turns out it is called lehman trilogy for a reason it goes through three maybe four generations of lehman's it basically starts before the civil war when they first immigrated here mm-hmm. and um they were like super broke and basically like kind of got some money in the cotton trade, basically profited off slavery. Um, and then eventually like moved up to New York and just got bigger and bigger. And because of like, because of the fact that there's only three actors and it goes through 
a gigantic amount of time. Like it just covers a lot of interesting things. Um, like there's actually a part where they like do a little dance and just let the radio play to like show the passing of time. Um, I believe they had a live pianist. I could be wrong, but I'm almost sure they had a live pianist um, who was playing that music. They had, they like used gunshots a lot in like a really jarring but like effective way, both during the Civil War and also during the crash of 2007, right? I think seven. Um, they, I think they did like three gunshots for the first three bankers that shot themselves because oh. they realized how little money they had left right um so so they like played that out okay i mean i feel like sound design like if you have live music you're like a shoe-in for a sound design award for actual predictions for how the tonys will go i i'd believe that lehman trilogy would win it but yeah i think dana h has a chance i don't know dana h is weird because it's basically just a track that plays the whole time and it's like the main actress Deirdre O'Connell. She is essentially like miming to the track because the track is like an interview of Dana. And so I guess like maybe the sound design is super easy for that. We're just like, okay, we just got to set the levels for the track and then we can go fuck off to whatever else we want to do. But because the sound is so integral to the story, I was like, there's a chance that something might happen here. I'm such a genius. Sorry. I really wanted to confirm if, in fact, there was a live pianist. And I remember, like, talking about this. So I searched it in Messenger. And look what I said. End of Act 2. We just made it to 1929. I have no idea how they're going to get through 90 years in one hour. It's going to be wild. And then I said, also, just some quick notes for our future Tony episode. Because I'm a genius. I said, very interesting lighting. Can't figure out the warm versus cool tone meanings, but there definitely is one. Very cool sound, as well as both from a soundtrack and their live pianist. <laughs> so I was right. <laughs> we got to like start um, flagging our chats with our future Tony Award episode. And just like put our yeah. thoughts in. And then we can search <laughs> exactly. that. Moving on to lighting design. Um, lighting design of a musical. Um, we have Neil Austin for Company. Tim Daling, I'm going to guess, for Six. Donald Holder, Paradise Square. Natasha Katz, MJ. Bradley King, Flying Over Sunset. And Jen Shriver for A Strange Loop. Mm -hmm. What did we put here? And we Oh, we actually agreed for six. this. <laughs> Hey, Six is doing so well. I think it just really makes sense because, again, Six is sort of that, like, quasi-concert style. They do a lot of, like, sort of, like, color-themed lighting, I think, if I recall correctly. And it just, like, makes... The lighting itself, like, makes the show more exciting. I did, like, throw so... a shout-out to um, 
Flying Over Sunset just because like their their entire set was just so wild and I feel like lighting did play a part in that. If mm-hmm. it were a good show, it would be like such a shoe in for a set. But right. because it isn't, like I I really don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so for Donna do yeah. Um, so I have Joshua Carr for Hangman, Ji Yoon Chang for, for Colored Girls, John Clark for Lehman Trilogy, Jane Cox for Macbeth, and Yi Dao for Skin of Our Teeth. Um, and this honestly really just came down to, I think, the shows that we saw because I put Skin of Our Teeth. I did not see Lehman, which is probably my biggest mistake of this season. I guess in my you know, chat history that I just read to you, I did say very interesting lighting. I know that the warm and cool lights mean something, but I don't know what. Um, Mm -hmm. So I actually do remember that. I don't really remember what I was thinking at the time. I think it might have to do with like how you're supposed to feel about the characters at the time and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But um, I think lighting contributes to the set quite a bit as well. So the set of Lehman Trilogy is just one giant glass cube. The whole general use of light with like the enormous amount of glass in the set was mm. just really interesting because I was sitting next to someone from Today Ticks and we just kept talking about how like we truly didn't know where the glass was because the glass cube isn't like fully enclosed. There's like some panes that are glass and some panes that are oh. just open. Mm-hmm. Because, like, the characters need to breathe, I guess. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, we spent so, like, after the first act, I was like, okay, I can't figure it out. And then after the second act, I was like, I know where the glass is now. And then, like, in the third act, this guy just, like, walked through it. And I was like, well, I was wrong. <laughs> um, so, like, we struggled a lot. It was pretty interesting. So, I do think it actually has a good shot at lighting. And I'm not just voting mm-hmm. for it. Because okay. I like Lehman. Again, I believe that. And I feel like voters do actually tend to just vote down the ballot if there's something they really like. Yeah. You know? Um, I mostly put skin of our teeth because... So I saw... The other two that I saw in this were for Colored Girls and Hangman. Both of which, I mean, like, I think had, like, pretty solid lighting. I was reading the off-Broadway reviews for Hangman. And people, like, could not get over the pub set. For some reason, they were like, "This is the most the authentic pub good. I've ever seen on stage." They were like, "I believe <laughs> that I could go in there and just get a pint." And I'm like, "All right." Well, they had the um, they had those cask draft the working kegs. Well, she had to keep pumping the, yeah, it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I was like, this this actress is putting so much effort into pumping <laughs> this keg. Like, wow. Yeah. Um, so I I did like this set a lot, but yeah. I don't know about lighting. I mostly chose Skin of Our Teeth because I think it had the most, like, expansive set of those three. And, like, in the second act, they do this big sort of, like, the storm is coming, the clouds are rolling in, there's a bunch of lightning. Um, It's essentially the flood for Noah's Ark is happening. And the third act is, like, post-war, sort of. Um, So everything's, like, super grungy. Um, So it's, like... Okay, they did some interesting things there, but I mean, for actual predictions, I kind of feel like Lehman will probably just win everything, but I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Cool. Um, so, cool. So moving on to costume, costume design. Um, we got Fly Davis for Carolina Change, Tony Leslie James for Paradise Square, 
William Ivy Long for Diana, Santo Loquasto for The Music Man, Gabriella Slade for Six, and Paul Tazewell for MJ. And we picked Six. Yeah, Six basically just, I guess, invested a lot in a bedazzler. Um, I don't know if you saw, but like, so West End's um, Amberlynn is also like an Asian girl now. Mm -hmm. And she was doing like a FaceTime with our Amberlynn, Andrea. Uh And the two of them were just like kind of talking about like representation theater, but just also random stuff. And Andrea was like, so how did you first feel like during your first performance? And she was like, I felt really green. I didn't know how (laughs) green I was, but I was so green. And I was like, hmm, seems like something you would know before your first performance. But that's fine. I would say definitely in the Broadway cast. I don't know. I don't think there's any like very extreme body sizes, but I think like the Broadway cast is generally like, it's like a good, for six is like a pretty good mix of like different body shapes and everything. Mm-hmm. And um, like the silhouette for each person looks really great on each of them. Yeah. Um, like the outfits are just, they're pretty, they're flattering. Mm-hmm. They work on all of them. Um, yeah. And so, I think we talked about yeah. it in the original six episode that we did like two years ago. Um, but each outfit was also inspired by like the pop singer that inspired their song. So oh, like, yeah. if you look at like Catherine Howard's outfit, it's has sort of like an Ariana Grande vibe to it. And Catherine of Aragon has sort of like a Beyonce vibe to it, stuff like that too. So cool. So best costume design of a play. Yeah. You did not even have an opinion on this. Probably just because Lehman was not (laughs) nominated. I also just chose Skin of Our Teeth for this again because there's just a lot going on in there. I don't know. Also, I'm not sure where puppets fall into as far as categories for the Tonys. Because Skin of Our Teeth does have like two puppets that are like... There's a brontosaurus and then there's like a baby mammoth. And the brontosaurus is, like, three people. Like, two people are inside the brontosaurus, and one person is, like, manning its head, essentially. And I don't know if that counts as costume or if that counts as set or, like, Wait, what where the that is this lies? show about? <laughs> okay, <What>? so, <laughs> so there's a family of four. It's, like, two parents and two kids, and then there's their maid. And their maid is sort of, like, the main character. Um, We'll probably get to her when we talk about best actors. But they are technically a family living in New Jersey in the 50s, and at the same time, the Ice Age is happening. Like, the actual Ice Age, that's why there's a mammoth. And, um... And basically, it's like... And the, the dad is, like, this big inventor. He, like, goes to New York to work. And in the first act he comes home and he's like guess what honey i invented the wheel today and then like the ice age is happening and all these like refugees are like coming into their home and then they have like the pet brontosaurus there and it's like but it looks like a very modern like sort of 50s like classic mansion home thing it's 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 a wild sort and that's only the first act because the second act is like coney island and yeah it's what? it's so hard was to it, was the plot good it was interesting it it actually reminded me of a strange loop in a way because it was just like 
like it's it's sort of the idea is like some sort of catastrophe is happening and it's about like i guess the human nature of survival and like what it takes to survive and like what happens also it's implied that the parents are adam and eve um, at the same time that everything else is happening because the son is like pretty obviously meant to be Kane because they're like oh are, have you been throwing rocks again like oh maybe you know sometimes you accidentally hit your brother and he has like a mark on his forehead <laughs> and stuff like that and so it's like it's it's super wild so like the second act they're in like Coney Island but they're like oh a storm is coming and there's like a prophet he's like you need to build a boat and he can take like two animals onto the boat and stuff and like so it's like obviously Noah's the Ark. Brontosaurus no, the brontosaurus is gone by that point. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah. no. The brontosaurus is only in act one. <laughs> and, wow. And, and yeah, mammoth. it's a it's a whole thing. Um, yeah, the mammoth is also Is this only based on something? Not. Like, is there a book? No. no. Wow. Should we move to scenic design? <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. Okay. Best scenic design of a musical is Beowulf, Borat, and 59 Productions for Flying Over Sunset. Um, Bunny Christie for Company. Arnulfo Maldonado for A Strange Loop. Derek McLean and Peter Negrini for MJ. And Alan Moyer for Paradise Square. And what did we say? Oh, we said company, both of us. And we've also yep. both said flying over sunset for the runner up. Yeah. When you were like, oh, yeah, if this were a good show, this would be a shoe in. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. well, so- the set was crazy. There was a palm tree. <laughs> <laughs> like, just when you thought you had seen all the set pieces in flying over sunset, there was another one. And yeah. I mean, like, we have an what? episode on this. I think, like, one of the only positive things we really had to say was the set. So. Go back and you listen know. to that if you're interested. But I just feel like they're going to get shut out of the Tonys for the most part. I so, like, do too. I don't think honestly the fact this. that they got like that many nominations was kind of shocking to me. Yeah, I mean, I remember walking out of company in the first week of March of 2020 and being like, "I'm so sad that this is in the same year as Moulin Rouge because there's no way that Moulin Rouge is not winning set." But I really love this set, hmm. and I guess. The world was like, you know what? We can make that happen. Yeah, I think it's like a great set as far as like both really cool to watch on its own and also really good at like integrating with the show. Because, you know, like some sets are like they're really pretty. I mean, I guess Flying Over Sunset is kind of like this. They're really pretty. But it's like as far as like the show is, it's like, did you really need this? But I think Company does a good job of like doing both. Yeah, Company like... Flying Over Sunset was just mostly extravagant to me. Mm-hmm. Um, Company actually felt really innovative. And we've talked about how we both like that, like, kind of Alice in Wonderland situation. Because, mm-hmm. like, she has a key and she's, like, crawling through boxes that kind of represent her friend's lives mm-hmm. and homes and stuff. And it's that kind of idea of, like, 
her kind of coming of age, I guess, like Alice in Wonderland, but like as an adult and, you know, just exploring all of these different potential options she can Mm -hmm. have in life. I really just like the general like look and feel like aesthetic and color scheme. It's got that kind of like aqua and Mm-hmm. bright pink like the neon yeah like when they brought out the letters that spell out company but also spell out ny and spell out nyc and other things mm-hmm. and they also used it as a, used it as set pieces it was just like it was more efficient and like innovative mm-hmm. than flying over sunset which i feel like just threw a lot of money at their set threw all their money at their set <laughs> yeah yeah so play we have beowulf Borit again uh for potus or behind every great dumbass are seven women trying to keep him alive. Great title. Michael Carnahan and Nicholas Husong for Skeleton Crew. S. Devlin for Lehman Trilogy. Anna Fleischy for Hangman. Scott Pasek for American Buffalo. And Adam Rigg for Skin of Our Teeth. Well, I put Skin of Our Teeth as my favorite, mostly because, again, there's just such wild shit happening. But Hangman also is pretty cool. That's what I put as my runner-up. Um, I mean, I liked Hangman's set, but I feel like the most interesting part of it was, like, the transitions and, like, the unexpectedness of it. Like, I think each individual set was, like, mostly just okay to me outside of, like, the working taps in the bar, I guess. But um, But it was more just, like, the surprise of the set that I think was cool. So, I mean, after what you told me about Skin of Our Teeth, that does sound like a crazy sketch. After just listening to myself remember about Lehman Trilogy, I think I liked the set a lot more than I remembered. Hangman was just very beautiful. And yeah, the transition from... I mean, there was so there was so much going on. Like the transition from the prison cell that went up all the way into the fucking ceiling, maybe past the ceiling. Like, I would not be surprised if we, like, stood outside the theater and at, like, 7.30, the ceiling just had a bulge in it. I feel like <laughs> that makes sense. The pub, the pub set is really pretty. And then I kind of felt like there was another set because there was all that space between the ceiling bulge and the pub. Um, mm-hmm. But still, when they opened the third set, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Also, um, I listened to like the set designer talk about it and she was talking about like the first set transitioning to the second set. And she was like, yeah, like because in the the first scene, that's pretty much the only scene that happens in the set is basically a guy gets hanged questionably like it, it's questioned whether or not he actually committed whatever act he's being hanged for. But, you know, the rest of it is sort of like it. It vaguely references that first scene but the set designer was like yeah like you know after watching that as the first scene like how does the audience sort of like react to that i wanted it to be hanging over them so that's why she decided the set should move up yeah so i mean i think i do stand by my original choice of hangman but i think given that lehman also has a very adequate set they might just sweep Mm mm-hmm but yeah, what do you have to say for Skin of Our Teeth? I mean, is there like a fucking roller coaster? There kind of is. Here, wait, let me send you a picture. It's a slide more than a roller coaster. 
but okay. it's a working slide. Like, you watch five people go down the slide. This is the second act set. Like, people just randomly slide down that thing in the back. That's a huge fucking slide. Yeah. That's massive. That looks so fun. I they know, right? Just, um, <laughs> they should bring it out to the Broadway flea market and just charge people <laughs> like $5 to go down. Yeah. I would do it. Best original score. Exciting. Um, we have Michael R. Jackson for A Strange Loop, Tom Kitt and Michael Corey for Flying Over Sunset, Jason Robert Brown and Amanda Green for Mr. Saturday Night, Maisie Asser and Nathan Tyson and Jason Hallen for Paradise Square. That's so many people. Um, and Toby Marlowe and Lucy Moss for Six. We we were split. We did another thing where we like... Our, our one and twos were the same, but we also swapped. Yeah. So I put a strange loop as one and six as two. And I did the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> and that is also mostly a factor of, I guess I've been listening to a strange loop a lot more recently also, but I think six, six is really clever and really like punny. And also all the songs are pretty catchy because they're on like pop stylings. But Mm -hmm. as I've been listening to A Strange Loop, I feel like it's one of those scores that every time you listen to it, you sort of notice something new or you sort of like start to see things in a different light. And Mm -hmm. as far as like theater scores go, I think that just like interests me more. So coming out of the show, like I would have never expected to even give A Strange Loop second. And I think part of that still has to do with just the general lack of contenders this year. Like, I think if we had a show that people generally consider to be musically fantastic, like a Hades Town or a Dear Evan Hansen or something this year, I would feel like six would still be in my top two with like a Hades Town or a Dear Evan Hansen. And I don't think a Strange Loop would be anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I put number. That's why. That's why I put number six. That's why I put number <laughs> six is number one. So strange loop. Like I do agree. Like you know, we've talked about this in our a strange loop episode that just came out. Right. The music is so much better after listening to the cast recording, but I don't know if I think it's like musically fantastic. I think there's just like a lot of the lyrics and stuff that I was not able to hear during the show that contribute to the plot a lot. And so I'm really enjoying listening to it. But like six, I've been listening since, you know, it was first like off West End. And I feel like to this day, I'm still like, yeah, I could listen to this like on a road trip or something. So I feel like it's really withstood the test of time for me i get that for actual predictions i technically put a strange loop but i think there's also possibly the case where a strange loop like wins book and then six gets music predicting the tonys this year is going to be so fucking hard i don't even know man so we had no choice but now it's us alone so we got no choice no we've got no choice we're taking back the microphone
So book is Girl from the North Country by Connor McPherson, MJ by Lynn Nottage, um, Mr. Saturday Night by Billy Crystal, Lowell Gons and Babalu Mandel, Paradise Square by Christina Anderson, Craig Lucas and Larry Kerwin, and A Strange Loop by Michael R. Jackson. Actually, wow, six isn't even nominated in here. I guess that kind of makes sense because yeah, it's, it's fine mostly me. concert. But um, I'm really worried yeah. someone's going to be like, Girl from the North Country has the I greatest know. book ever. And I... I'll be like, but where was it? <laughs> I just, I feel like it has a chance at the Tonys and I just won't understand. <laughs> uh, so my... Just based on my personal preference, I think I was just most impressed by MJ. And I do have, again, like issues with how it ended, which you can hear about in our episode on MJ. But I think part of it was I was also just impressed at how much better it did than other jukebox musicals outside of Jersey Boys. But I also do think it was like a good story. Um, and it was like told well, and it really like gave me insight to the sort of like Michael Jackson's process and his creativity, which is honestly all I really want from musical jukebox biopics and no one has ever really given me as much. So that was my personal favorite. Um, And I would also like throw a bone to a strange loop because I, even if I don't necessarily like connect with what Michael R. Jackson is doing, like I can appreciate it. I mean, I just didn't like A Strange Loop that much. And I would think that the most outstanding and unique part of A Strange Loop is the book. I just don't connect with it. Um, as for MJ, like I agree it's a pretty good jukebox musical plot. I just didn't find it very memorable and... I put Paradise Square like five minutes before we started recording because I left this blank because I was like, I don't give a fuck. I just put it because, you know, like I said at the beginning, I think the premise is is interesting enough to make up for a somewhat lackluster execution. Mm -hmm. And it's like the only show here that has like an original plot that actually mm. was a story. That's fair. I guess there's always like two sides to like a completely original book. Cause it's like the first part is just the concept of what the show is going to be like coming up with that concept. If it's a completely original book. And then the second part is execution and definitely like paradise square has the most interesting concept. I'd say for the, mm book or at least the most successful in creating an interesting concept and even if it like sort of falls short in the actual execution but yeah yeah cool so direction yeah (laughs) best direction of a musical there's jamie armitage and lucy moss for six Stephen Brackett for A Strange Loop, Marianne Elliott for Company, Connor McPherson for Girl from the North Country, and Christopher Wielden for MJ. Oh, we actually agreed. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've talked about this. So we both picked Company just Mm because it's truly a fantastic revival take. And that's all the direction is. Like, Marianne Elliott came up with the concept, went to Stephen Sondheim about it, was like, I want to gender swap it. And he was like, okay, tell me more. And so I think it really is just like 
it's almost like she's a like co-writer on the show at this point i'd say i think i was just like so entranced the first time and then we overanalyzed it (laughs) (laughs) you were like i know everything there is to know about the show now yeah exactly (laughs) um but yeah i mean otherwise still very happy with it Mm -hmm. um best direction of a play Uh, um honestly like (laughs) we really i again put skin of our teeth just because like if you even just like go about directing that it's like like i would look at that script and be like how like you know (laughs) it's just such a wild thing to direct so the fact that it's being done at all is truly wild yeah um wait what did i put oh i put lehman again so just true to pretty much all of our play categories <laughs> also, i don't know if you i feel like i heard this interview with i want to say it was probably with mm-hmm. sam mendes before but apparently so lehman was originally written by this like italian playwright or something and apparently he just wrote all the dialogue or something and gave like no stage directions and he also didn't divide it by character or something and so when they put on the play they basically just had to decide like who was speaking what line from what it sounded like the original play was just like the wild west or something and they had to like Mm -hmm. prune it and make it actually legible so i would totally understand if he got the award for that which i also just assume it's going to be lehman because that seems to be the most well-regarded play of the season yeah i think definitely a lot of the direction choices were really smart and i mean like the casting is also great like all three of the actors are really strong and so which is super important because they're all playing like 10 different people from the same family um so yeah, like I just I just feel like the fact that that it worked and everything in the show came together mm-hmm. with such like an efficient use of actors, set, everything is very promising. Yeah. Um cool. yeah. So now we get to go into actor categories. Um, yay, the fun stuff. <laughs> Finally, the things that we kind of know about. Um, so, best performance by a featured actress in a musical. We have Jeanette Bayardell for Girl from the North Country as Mrs. Nielsen, Shoshana Bean for Mr. Saturday Night as Susan Young, Jane Hattieshell for The Music Man as Eulalie McCachnation, L. Morgan. Damn, Lee. Eulalie got a nomination. I know it's it's wild. Right? I assumed it was going to be the the grandma, to be honest. Oh, uh huh. I don't know the the whole Music Man cast outside of Sutton Foster and Hugh Jackman. People like kept talking about all the side characters, and I was like, I don't think they did that much, but I guess people really liked them. So, uh, but we have L. Morgan Lee for A Strange Loop as Thought One, Patty Lapone for Company as Joanne, and Jennifer Samard for Company as Sarah. Um, so yeah, this is another one of those categories where people tied so now we have six nominees which is pretty fun. i'm amazed that people could distinguish the thoughts because there's yeah. also a thought from strange loop nominated for featured actor and mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I'm just amazed that someone was like, ah, yes, the best thoughts were one and four because I got no fucking clue who one and four are. Like, I feel like Jesus thought Christ. one is like the easiest to distinguish because it's like the only female in the show. For this category, we both chose Patty. Mm-hmm. It just feels like she's going to win. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's really a way that she doesn't win. Um and also, I just like even just looking at the list, I was not that excited by really anyone else. So I think it's pretty given. <laughs> yeah. And maybe she's seen our faces <laughs> when we went to her absolute favorite restaurant in London, and <laughs> the owner apparently texted her a picture of us. <laughs> yeah. Patty. And then <laughs> I think I think that's pretty set. Um, Best performance by a featured actor in a musical. We have Matt Doyle as Jamie and Company, Sidney Dupont as Washington Henry in Paradise Square, Jared Grimes as Eddie Ryan in Funny Girl, John Andrew Morrison as Thought Four in A Strange Loop, and A.J. Shively as Mm -hmm. Owen something fucking irish people (laughs) in paradise square so yeah we both put matt doyle for this again i think this is the same thing where i uh, he's just the one i'm most excited about i mean we haven't seen funny girl and i have heard a lot of good things about jared grimes but matt doyle i mean he does benefit from like having the most elaborately staged number song to show off yeah. yeah, but I think even compared to like all the other versions of um, getting married today, he still manages to like really put a different spin on it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's our first time seeing a guy do it. I think there are really good acting choices that he makes as like playing a fairly like stereotypical dramatic gay man who sings not getting married um very different from all of the past productions that have done it um the acting was top-notch hilarious and it's such a hard song and he did such a good job vocally and acting performance he's great is one of the reasons that i would consider seeing company again um, I don't think he'll get to do this for the Tony performance, but that would just be incredible. Uh, it really would. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, everybody, I'm afraid you didn't hear. Do you want to see a crazy person fall apart in front of you? It isn't only Paula, maybe ruining his life. You know what? Both of us be losing our identities. I tell him from my shrink and he said, maybe I should come and see him Monday. Monday, I'll be floating in the Hudson with the other garbage. I'm not well, so I'm not getting married. You've been swell, but I'm not getting married. Clear the hall, because I'm not getting married. Thank you all, but I'm not getting married. And don't tell all, but I'm not getting married today. So, best performance by featured actress in a play. We have Uzo as Clyde in Clyde's. Rachel Dratch as Stephanie and POTUS, Kanita R. Miller as Lady in Red in For Colored Girls, Felicia Rashad as mm-hmm. Faye in Skeleton Crew, Julie White as Harry and POTUS, Kara Young as Letitia in Clyde's. Um, oh my gosh, we agreed on this one. I would have never thought that we would. Um, I'm very surprised. Wait, we did. I... Right? Yeah, no, well, we so did. we <laughs> saw. Technically, all of these except for Skeleton Crew. Um, and 
we did not get Clyde's. I do think Kara Young had a pretty good performance, but definitely I feel like I can speak for us both here. POTUS was definitely a standout of the season. Of and... all the shows that had women in it. <laughs> yeah. That that works. <laughs> um and and like between Rachel so everyone keeps talking about Rachel Dratch and she's good. But the thing is with her, I feel like her comedy it's it's a little like it's not quite one note, but she sort of has one role to play in the show. And it's basically just like very overly stressed assistant who it's not very like subtle, sophisticated acting. It kind of seems like it feels like a little drama classy. Right. And obviously, like physical comedy can be hard, but um, I feel like she just spends so much of the show just milking laughs based on like being high yeah and so Mm -hmm. it just wasn't as like interesting of a performance i guess like she definitely is very funny but julie white is i think that probably the closest to a main character that you get in potus yeah definitely Um, because she's like the main person who's trying to like keep it together and to try to like assert you know some sort of control and authority over the honestly like batshit crazy events that have been happening and so you you see that she's also very funny um but she also like has like a little bit more depth of character too yep totally agree i see you marked um lady in red as yeah who you think will win um what's her role in for colored girls She's the one um, at the, she like has the second to last monologue. She has like an abusive husband. She has two kids and she keeps trying to leave the husband, but the husband like keeps get dragging her back. It's a very like harrowing monologue. Um, and I mean, for colored girls is mostly a series of monologues or like dialogues. Um, it's, it's a quote choreo poem. So it's mostly like spoken word with choreography. But this is like one of the mm-hmm. monologues that I think really stands out because it's such a like um such a strong subject matter and also because it comes near the end and also because it's like only her on stage because a lot of the monologues, even if it's one person speaking, there's someone else like dancing or something with it. And this one it's like only her on stage. She keeps your attention the whole time. I've seen a lot of really strong notice for her. And also, she was like seven or eight months pregnant when she was doing it on Broadway. She just had her baby like last week. So I feel like she has a pretty good shot at getting this because definitely when people talk about For Colored Girls, she's one of the highlights. Mm-hmm. Cool. cool. So we so... have Best Performance by a Featured Actor in a Play. And we have Alfie Allen as Mooney in Hangman, Chuck Cooper as Sheldon Forrester in Trouble in Mind, Jesse Tyler Ferguson as Mason Marzak in Take Me Out. Ron Cephas Jones as Montrellis in Clyde's, Michael Oberholzer as Shane Mungit in Take Me Out. What a name. Both names, really. <laughs> Jesse Williams as Darren Lemming in Take Me Out. I did not realize that Take neither Me Out had three categories. This, neither of us highlighted anything <laughs> for this category because half of it is Take Me Out. So, and neither of us saw that. So, I mean, okay, I saw I saw the other three plays that were nominated, but I truly, 
Well, okay. N- they weren't outstanding. We didn't care for Clyde's. I guess Ron Cephas Jones was pretty good in Clyde's. He had like the requisite sort of like calm, sort of like guru attitude, I guess. Like he was interesting to watch in that sense. Trouble in mind. He I did the most, but it was like, <laughs> wasn't that interesting? Yeah. Trouble in mind. I honestly cannot recall anything from that show. I feel bad about it because I feel like it was probably more interesting than I took from it. But I was also just so tired that day and I cannot tell you anything. So um, let's just give it to Jesse Tyler Ferguson and call it a day. Great. You know, just <laughs> walk away. <laughs> when in doubt, pick the most famous person. Best performance by a leading actress in a musical. We have Sharon D. Clark as Caroline in Carolina Change. Carmen Cusack for Claire Booth Luce in Flying Over Sunset. Um, Sutton Foster for Marianne. Damn, her last name's Peru? Yep. Everyone in Music what? Man has like weirdos names. Like Marianne you think is normal and then you find out her last name's Peru. What? What the fuck? Anyways, whatever. Um, I also <laughs> just hovered over Claire again, and I remembered in the Flying Over Sunset episode when I was like, she was truly hot. Anyways, um, we have Joaquina Kalukango as Nellie O'Brien in Paradise Square, and Mare Winningham as Elizabeth Lane in Girl from the North Country. So in our spreadsheet, I was like, I'm going to protest this because... Truly, I thought Katrina Lank should have been nominated. I would have picked her as my favorite. <sighs> I don't. I'm oh, just like yeah. not excited about any of these. Really, I think of the ones that actually were nominated, it probably falls somewhere between Sutton Foster and Carmen Cusack. And even then, I don't know. Like, I tried to decide between those two, and I couldn't. Like, Sutton Foster, I think, is interesting because she's giving, like, kind of a different spin on Mary in Peru. It's, like, a different type of role than what she normally plays. And she's a different type of actor than who normally plays Marion. So, like, that's kind of cool. And, like, Carmen Cusack definitely is a big part of Flying Over Sunset. And she has, like, a pretty unique voice, I'd say. And, like, she gets probably the main emotional plot in flying over sunset but neither of them really like excite me as much as like girl from the north country was a play (laughs) i would have not i would have voted for mayor winningham as the best performance by an actress in a leading role in a play because i actually did think she was really good i just it's just like philosophically it feels wrong to call her the best actress of a musical it's okay it's the tony shalhoub of this year i mean true um i do agree that critics will probably pick sharon d clark for caroline there was just so much hype about her and i still don't know why Uh, caroline or change is also another one of those musicals that i truly cannot bring myself to understand like i still don't get this i don't know what it is should but. I put this as Carolina or change for us? Uh, for prediction, sure. Yeah, might as well. Yeah. There has been a surprising upswell for like Joaquina Kalakonga as for Paradise Square. 
Um, it seems like now it's like I thought it was just like pretty obviously Sharon D. Clark, but now it's become sort of like a two way race. So maybe Wait, with who else? With um Jokina Kalakonga for Paradise Square. Oh. So I think it's just really like she was the best part of that show for a lot of people. And she was like the only part of that show worth writing home about. Um, but like my issue with her, I like mentioned, I don't really think her character is that interesting. And she gets the 11 o'clock number, which she like to be sings the hell out of. But I just don't think the song is that good. Like I was listening to the song and I was like, so what? Like, like it was just like, it was very trite and stuff. And like, it just it, like leads to this sort of like automatic standing ovation. Is this the like protect our home song? Yeah. Or like burn it down or whatever when they're like rioting and she's like, oh. fuck this place, you know, whatever. And yeah. also they like gave up writing the book after that. I was like, what the fuck? Um, but yeah, so yeah. people like stood up immediately after that. And again, this is a very good vocal performance, but the song itself, I was like, but what? And after the song, they just like all of a sudden like teleported or something because then Annie's like, it's okay. We made it out. Everyone's okay. And I'm like, but how? (laughs) Yeah. I was like, really? (laughs) Everybody survived. Everybody. How do you get through life bereft of faith? After you've prayed the seventh day, who listens on the eighth? Does prayer dissolve in ether and vanish in the void? How do you bear your burdens with belief itself destroyed? Best performance by leading actor in a musical. Yes. So we have Billy Crystal as Buddy Young Jr. from Mr. Saturday Night, Miles Frost as MJ in MJ, Hugh Jackman as Harold Hill and Music Man, Rob McClure as Daniel Hillard and Euphigenia Doubtfire in Mrs. Doubtfire, and Jack Wall Spivey as Usher in A Strange Loop. Damn, Mrs. Doubtfire's first name is Euphigenia? <laughs> yeah. I yep. do not know like a lot of these full names names. (laughs) um okay well we both voted for miles frost honestly Uh just a great cast for michael jackson i think um phenomenal dancer nailed Mm -hmm. the voice i would say yep and not a bad singer either i do think it's probably going to be split between mj and a strange loop um but mm. I feel like this might be the year where they don't vote down the line. Because I think a strange loop will probably win a lot. But I, th- you know, I think it's possible that Miles Frost wins this one and Six wins music. If Lehman sweeps and the musicals are all split, it'll be just like 2021. Except I don't actually like any of the musicals. Because <laughs> last time, basically, Inheritance swept and then mm-hmm. everything else was split between Jack Little Pill and Moulin Rouge. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and then Christmas Carol won a shocking amount of awards, which wasn't shocking to us. And I'm very yeah, proud of that. Yeah, everyone was so shocked about that. <laughs> and I was like, did no one else see the show? Like, you just had to set your eyes on it to tell that it would have won all the design categories. Yeah, people at Today Ticks were like, this is crazy. It was like the main reason why I was doing so well in the prediction competition. But I was like, no, but this was really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember at the beginning of the season, everyone was like, like right when Mrs. Doubtfire started, people were like, this is going to get Rob McClure tourney. And I I mean, I get it. Like in any other year, I feel like he would have had like a real shot at it. But first of all, Mrs. Doubtfire just like closed and he's obviously giving good performance. But mm-hmm. I think people are just way more into the other shows this year. I mean, I think Miss Doubtfire... Like, we have an episode on this, too. I don't think any of us think really highly of it, but I think it was panned a little too hard, and it probably yeah. affected I would it, like it to see selling. it just like a non-Disney musical that was still good for kids and families. But, yeah, I don't know. Moving on to Best Performance by a Leading Actress in a Play. And we have Gabby Beans for, um, as Sabina in Skin of Our Teeth. LaShawn's as Willetta Mayer in Trouble in Mind. I honestly don't even remember that that was her name. That's how much I don't remember Trouble in Mind. Um, Ruth Nega as Lady Macbeth in Macbeth. Deirdre O'Connell as Dana H. in Dana H. And Mary Louise Parker as Lil Bit in How I Learned to Drive. And who did I even put for this? Oh, fuck. <laughs> I put nothing. I wrote, bitch, I have no clue. <laughs> Okay, so I technically put Gabby Beans um, for Skin of Our Teeth. She's the maid that I mentioned, like, sort of goes, she's sort of narrates each scene. She also is the one that breaks character and is like, I don't have a fucking clue what this play is about. Um, So definitely, like, a very strong performance just because she has so many different things she has to be. And also her character is, like, pretty different in each of the acts even though it's technically the same character it's again weird show um but then i was also like oh but like mary louise parker was pretty good and how i learned to drive but then also dana h really just is all about deidre o'connell's performance in dana h like again it's just a track and then she is the one that essentially like brings it to life in front of your eyes oh yeah but i official prediction i put as mary louise parker i'll probably honestly change all my predictions like the day before the tonys (laughs) like i did last year (laughs) so cool yeah well can move on no thoughts so (laughs) best performance because i had no thoughts in the next (laughs) the next category (laughs) because it's all lehman trilogy um so we have simon russell beale as henry lehman and a lot other a lot more but whatever in the lehman trilogy um adam godley as mayor lehman in the lehman trilogy adrian lester as emmanuel lehman in the lehman trilogy david morris as uncle peck and how i learned to drive sam and rockwell as teach in american buffalo ruben santiago hudson as various in lackawanna blues david throffall as harry wade in hangman and who is he is he the dad like the bar owner the executioner he must be right if he's leading i would assume yeah yeah he is okay 
Um, cool. So I, so I voted for Adam Godley. He was my personal favorite. So he is like a pretty slender man. So he also plays like the wives of the Lehman Brothers really well in like oh. a really funny way. Um, I mean, they all play like women, but like he does it. I think just like really funny, really well. Um, he there's one point where he plays like a really old Lehman guy who is um who people are kind of like laughing over and his son's trying to take over and I thought he did like that storyline really well Mm -hmm. he just made the most impression on me but I think if I were like predicting I might go with Simon Russell Beale he he's just really well known um the person that I saw it with actually said that he went to see Lehman trilogy because he really liked oh. Simon Russell Beale. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess him, but I saw you underline David Morse. Yeah, your I think prediction. the other one I did see a lot was Simon Russell Beale. Also, like how I learned to drive. This is technically its Broadway premiere as a revival, um, with the same two leads, like David Morse and Mary Louise Parker were doing it off Broadway. And all the reviews were like, oh, my God, they're like just as good as when it first won the Pulitzer off Broadway and if not better. And so it seems likely or it seems definitely very possible that they would just like hand everything to how I learned to drive. But I have seen a lot of stuff about Simon Russell Beale also. So I, I do think that is also a possibility. Um no one else is really talking about anyone else. So <laughs> whatever. Cool. We're finally on to the big four. I'm so excited. We made it. Um, so best revival of a musical. We've got Carolina Change, Company, Music Man. This will be quick. We both voted for Company. I think it's going to be Company. Yeah. Um, even if it wasn't like for the actual production of Company, I feel like the fact that Stephen Sondheim died will probably be a factor in it. Like, mm-hmm. even if that like sucks to say, but that's fair. You know, it's just the best. I mean, Carolina Change. I don't know the original, but it truly did nothing, and neither did the Music Man. The Music Man's really only selling tickets because of Hugh Jackman. <laughs> I mean, they cancel performances whenever Hugh Jackman is out. So, like, so when Hugh Jackman goes on vacation, the entire cast and crew go on vacation. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, honestly, they did the same for Mr. Saturday Night with Billy Crystal because I guess he is the big selling point. Which, honestly, I would agree with. Like, if Mr. Saturday Night doesn't have Billy Crystal, it's almost not worth watching, except for like Shoshana Bean, maybe, but she's only in like four scenes. I feel like Company is sort of like everything you want from a revival where it's like a good production in its own right, but also like a really interesting reimagining of a show. So, mm-hmm. no complaints. So, best revival of a play. We have American Buffalo for colored girls who have considered suicide slash when the rainbow is enough. How I Learned to Drive, Take Me Out, Trouble in Mind. When For Colored Girls first transferred, I thought it was totally going to make a massive splash. But yeah. it sounds like you don't think they're going to win. I, I think it's going to be How I Learned to Drive just because of like, you know, what I sort of mentioned before. It's the same main cast. 
Um, and it's gotten a lot of good reviews. Apparently, Take Me Out is now trending bigger. Like a lot of people think Take Me Out well could, has a possibility of winning. And so I guess for colored girls, it's kind of like third in line. I think it's still possible, Damn. but not as likely. So best musical. <laughs> All right. Usually the most exciting category, but not really. I don't know. What is the most exciting category? <laughs> I don't know. But uh, anyway. At least I have thoughts for play and revival of musical. <laughs> um, all right. Best musical. We got A Strange Loop, Girl from the North Country, MJ, Mr. Saturday Night, Paradise Square, and Six. This is truly a case where they nominated six shows because none of them were that good. <sighs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so I put, for my personal favorite, you also didn't put for anything. Because I was so annoyed. I was like, no, none of these. Um, I put MJ as my personal favorite. I think it was just the best experience I had in a theater out of these six shows. Wait, what was the, um, oh, it was Aaron Tibet, who you could have picked Aaron Tibet or no one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I would love to just pick no one, but continue. Yeah, I mean, like, I put A Strange Loop as my second choice because A Strange Loop, I liked a a lot more after the show once I started listening to it. I would see it again just to see how that's changed my perception. But as far as, like, first watch goes, I think MJ was my favorite. I did really like Six, but it also just felt like not a full show you know like because it has that sort of concert style and it's only 90 minutes and it just didn't feel like necessarily as satisfying if i'm like trying to compare broadway musicals but i think it's still a good show in its own right it's just not it doesn't feel like the same level as the other shows i don't know it's like you get what i mean yeah like if this would just my opinion. I would also choose six, but you know, there, there isn't really a proper plot. Um, it's very short. So I know exactly what you mean. Um, so it feels like based off of everything I've read that like a strange loop is just going to win, but here's my issue with it. Kind of like when I was saying, oh, this might not sweep just based off of how Slave Play performed compared to Inheritance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that would be true for A Strange Loop because it's like an artsy show, but it's really niche, really shocking, and really hard to understand. Um, except, like, there is no Inheritance in this category. Like... There's nothing else that's good in this category. So, I don't know. I feel like I mean, it's going to win and I'm going to be I sad think, about it. I think even when, so like Girl from the North Country, neither of us understand. It got a lot of good reviews. Still don't understand. I don't know. MJ, <laughs> I think it's good. I think it's entertaining. I think it's um, informative. A lot of people do have compunctions about how it does not address assault allegations and um pedophilia all that stuff 
which is fair. Uh, Mr. Saturday Night, I just don't think it was that interesting. It was like enough where I didn't feel like I was wasting my money, but afterwards I was like, I would not see that again. Paradise Square, kind of the same thing. Definitely a notch higher than Mr. Saturday Night because I think it deals with interesting topics, um, even if it doesn't necessarily deal with them well. Six, you know, shorter show, concert version, doesn't feel like a quote-unquote real musical, even though it is. Um, but it just doesn't have the like gravitas, I guess, of a full show. And A Strange Loop definitely would alienate a bunch of people. Um, it is a really interesting work of art to study. I do think it'll be a strange loop. If it's not a strange loop, I think it'll be six. All I ever wanted was to show that I was tough enough, big enough and strong enough to slow down a speeding train. I'll run the bulls in Spain. I swerved outside my lane. My brakes went out and now I'm broken. Still I beat myself up. Still I knock myself Someday I will change. Stranger things have happened. Each time I try to chart my course, wild horses throw me off my course. Best play. We got Clyde's Hangman, Skeleton Crew, the Lehman Trilogy, and The Minutes. Such a shock that Clyde's and The Minutes are on here. Were there I, no other new plays this season? Actually, yeah. What else was eligible for? Is there nothing um, else? Hold on. BRB. Like might have been nothing else. Because <laughs> like Trouble in Mind and Take Me Out and are all revivals. Um, New plays. Oh, Birthday Candles. Oh, I am a little bit sad about Chicken and Biscuits. Oh, I mean, that was inter- entertaining. Mm. Dana H. Is This a Room? Passover, POTUS. I would have wanted POTUS to get a nomination. So Hangman, I mean, Clyde's and the Minutes beat out a lot of watchable shows. I Okay, I truly was confused about the Minutes. You can hear a little bit about it in our episode where we did like three plays in one. But I feel like the Minutes just like tried to shock people with this part of society that I feel like anyone under the age of 30 maybe even 40 is just very aware of and it was just not shocking the way that they did it was shocking but in a like what the fuck are you doing way but the the concept itself i don't think was that shocking yeah clyde's was more of a slice of life which like i can sort of see the appeal of but like it was just so bizarre especially the way it ended and the way that uzo aduba was used that i was just like i don't know what i'm here for yeah. So obviously I put Lehman Trilogy. I think the prediction's also Lehman Trilogy. It is the most watchable play this season. And it's actually good. Um yeah, it's sad it wasn't playing for longer. Hopefully there's another chance to see it. But I've kind of already talked about it a lot, but you know, casting mm-hmm. was great. Staging was great. Set was great. The plot was a lot of effort and really good. (laughs) 
Um, I mean, I do think that like possible second place would be um, Hangman, which I would have enjoyed a lot more oh. if I could actually fucking understand their accents. But <laughs> I truly should have gone to like an open caption night. <laughs> like maybe like if it if we had this option, we should have seen it after coming back from London. Yeah. And then maybe we would struggle slightly less. Yeah. My favorite is still when the tube announcer at Charing Cross was like talking about how fucked up their trains were and then just ended with, if you couldn't understand my accent, good luck in London. Bye. And I was like, what? Cool. So that's all the categories. And I have our counts ready. It Ooh, is okay. actually, I think, a very accurate representation. Um, I'm only going to give the top four. Okay. the top five the top sure. four because the rest are just like all ones um so our top four in this order is we gave five tonys to lehman five tonys to company three and a half to mj and three to six okay yeah that does check out i feel like that aligns with our general opinions day to day so yeah cool fun stuff we'll probably do a london recap at some point uh yeah we should totally do a london recap we saw like so many shows i mean you saw i saw 12 but you probably saw like 20 i actually did stay tuned for our london recap and you can do that by following us at bottomless bway on either instagram or twitter or both and checking out bottomless broadway in any podcast feed or you can also email us at bottomlessbway at gmail.com and we will be back with another excited episode for the Tonys. after the Tony. so here's to the girls on the go everybody tries look into their eyes and